You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Fella uh, who had an aquarium, and his job was, uh, the father of the household, his job was just to make sure that he paid for whatever was going on. It had absolutely nothing to do with the fish, didn't take care of them, didn't feed them, didn't really know what was there. He just knew that there was an aquarium with lots of tropical fish, which was housed in his home. And the kids took care of it, as, uh, as, a, as it should be if there's going to be a pet. So the kids should go ahead and they should, uh, they should take care of it. Uh, as the years go by, the kids get married, the kids move out. And this fella is now stuck with an aquarium of tropical fish, and he doesn't really know much about uh, about uh, managing it. So, uh, after I guess the uh, the last chasna takes place, so what he does is he goes into the uh, the fish store, and he says to the aquarium owner, "Listen, I have an aquarium with all sorts of uh, beautiful tropical fish which are swimming around, and I'd like to add some additional fish uh, to the aquarium." Could you provide me with additional fish, which I will be able to use to uh, to make the aquarium, the fish in the aquarium, even more beautiful? Guy says, what color fish do you have? And he tells him what color tropical fish he has. He says, okay, for, uh, you know, it'll cost you uh, 500 shekel, but for 500 shekel, so you could add the following fish to your aquarium. Guy says, great, it'll look, uh, it'll look beautiful. Uh, as empty nesters now, might as well move in more fish. So he goes out and he agrees and he takes the, uh, the fish and, uh, and he puts him into the aquarium. And the next morning he wakes up to check out the aquarium. And as it turns out, so the, uh, the fish store owner de- decided that it would be somewhat amusing to go ahead and sell this, uh, this fellow, this unknowing aquarium owner, some predatory fish. Uh, and those predatory fish overnight went ahead and ate all of the other fish. So all the fish which he owned on Wednesday are now just bones, and all the fish which, uh, uh, which he bought uh, the following day are now uh, nice and plump and ready for, uh, for consumption. So these two fellas, the aquarium owner and the fish store owner, so they come to a din tower. Now, what is each one's claim? What does each one want or, uh, or, or, uh, or respond? So the aquarium owner says, listen, first of all, I don't want these predatory fish. If I had known that you were selling me predatory fish, I never would have, uh, I never would have agreed to buy them, and I never would have spent 500 shekel on a bunch of predatory fish. So first of all, I want to return the fish, and I want to get back my 500 shekel. On top of that, because you went ahead and you sold me these predatory fish without, without telling me that they would eat the other fish in the aquarium, so I sustained uh, an estimated 2,000 shekel of loss of the fish which were, which were eaten. And I want to be reimbursed for those 2,000 shekel of fish, which are now nothing more than a pile of bones at the bottom of my aquarium. The uh, fish store owner, so he has a response. He's not going to take this lying down. He thought it was funny, but when it, now, that, now that it's become something which is monetary rather than simply funny. So he goes ahead and he, his response is as follows. He says, as far as your 500 shekel is concerned for the predator, what turned out to be predatory fish, which you bought, you never told me that you didn't want predatory fish. You just said you wanted some additional beautiful fish. And I provided you with additional, with additional beautiful fish. The fact that you now tell me that you didn't want them to be predatory 
if you had told me in the first place that that's what you were looking for. So then I could have gone ahead and I could have supplied that to you. But being that you, the customer, didn't specify what you wanted. So I went ahead and I, I, I filled the order exactly as you presented it to me, additional beautiful fish. Okay, so number one, I shouldn't have to go ahead that we should not be, you should not have the authority to cancel the sale of those fish because you didn't specify what you wanted. That's number one. Number two, he says that as far as the fact that the predatory fish which I sold you uh, ended up eating all of your existing fish. So the, the uh, fish store owner says, let's go ahead, get a, uh, you got to analyze this with, uh, with ice in your veins, uh, in the ice water in your veins. Uh, my response to that is, is I didn't put the fish in your aquarium. You put the fish in the aquarium. So if somebody's going to be responsible for the death of all of those existing fish, you are the one who introduced, who physically introduced those predatory fish into your aquarium. And therefore, it's your fault that they got eaten. It's not my fault. I didn't, I didn't do a mycehezic. I didn't do an act of damages. I just sold you a bunch of fish. And you went ahead and put it in the aquarium. And therefore, the most you could hold me accountable for is a grumma, is indirect damage. And being that the most that you could hold me accountable for is indirect damage, so I am not responsible to pay for that. So that was the shaila which these two fellas are uh, are dealing with. Does the customer get reimbursed for the 500 shekel of fish which he bought, which he doesn't want? And does he deserve to get reimbursed for the uh, 2,000 uh, shekel worth of fish which he had, which no longer exists? Okay? Good? Okay, give out. So let's go ahead and begin to see what the Shulchan Aruch says about different dimensions of this, uh, this question uh, so that we could uh, hopefully get ourselves to a uh, resolution as far as this week's uh, fishy business din Torah is concerned. Okay. So the first thing is, is the customer's claim, Mekachtos saying that when you went ahead and you sold me predatory fish, which I, I didn't want, so I never wanted to buy such fish, and therefore the entire transaction was done under false pretenses, and I want my money back. And the mocher, the, the, the merchant, the fish store owner says, you didn't tell me that you didn't want predatory fish. You just said you wanted additional beautiful fish, which I provided that for you. And therefore the sale is valid. It was on you, Mr. Customer, to go ahead and specify what you wanted. And if you don't specify what you want, so too bad. But the the customer did specify that he wanted the fish for an existing fish tank that had fish in it, right? I mean... Yes. Okay. So 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 let's see. So let's see how this uh, breaks down. So, uh, but but you you, you are correct, uh, uh, Art. So now, the Shochanach's case happens to not be about regular uh, predatory fish versus non-predatory fish. Shochanach talks about a different scenario. Comes out of the Gemara Baba Kama, but we'll just go straight into Shochanach. So the first source says, says base So we say, can make it a little bit bigger for our older eyes. So I go ahead and I sell uh, L, you're gonna be my customer now. I sell L a shore, a bowl, and it turns out now he was planning on using it for plowing purposes. But he didn't specify that he wanted it to plow. He just said, hey, you got a shore that's available for sale. I said, sure, I got a shore available for sale, $2,000. And he paid me $2,000 for the shore. And it turns out that it's a nagchan. It's a goring shore. 
goring shores generally are not very good at plowing. They'll smash a car, but they're not going to be able to walk in a straight line with a plow uh, if their life depended on it. So now, what, Al comes what, back. What, what, does, what would Nimsa mean? Because the Pasuk is im shor nagoch hu mitmol shilshon. Right. So there, there it's talking about the liability of the owner. Here we're talking about where I sold you a shore. And then uh, it turns out, it turns out meaning you discovered when you tried plowing with it, that it couldn't walk a straight line if its life depended on it. So it, all it did was it just kept, you know, trying to run over various cars and other animals and people, perhaps, whatever. It, did. it, it, it proved itself to be a dangerous shore. So now, Al, obviously you want to go ahead and you want to say, you say, listen, I needed a shore for plowing. A goring shore is not going to be helpful for me at all. It's not going to plow worth a dime, and therefore I want my money back. And I say back to Al, listen, you didn't tell me that you wanted a plowing shore. You just said you wanted a shore, and I sold you a shore. It's a valid sale. So now, So if we're not going to be able to demonstrate what Al had in mind, whether he wanted a plowing shore, that's harisha, or whether he wanted a shore for brisket, that would be l'shrita. So if we're not able to prove one way or the other, Al is the type of person who sometimes he buys shores for plowing purposes. And sometimes when you have a family reunion, you buy a shore for a brisket. And you go ahead and you buy, so he buys it for both purposes. And it happens to be that from the price tag, you also can't tell the difference between whether it was designated it is a, a plowing shore or whether it is a uh, a shechita shore. Kagon, for example, that the price of meat went up, and now a shore which a person buys for meat costs approximately the same. It's within the same range as, range as a shore that you would buy for uh, for eating, so they cost they cost approximately the same. So Al buys for both purposes. The price is approximately the same for both of them. So now So Al is going to have no claim against me that listen, you sold me a shore which is not functional for plowing, and I want my money back. Why does Al have no right to demand his money back? Because because I'm going to say back to Al the you didn't specify you wanted it for plowing. You said you wanted a shore. I thought with the, the spring arriving that you wanted to make a nice barbecue for all of your friends and neighbors around there. And you're going to go ahead and you're going to shecht it right away. So for as far as shechit is concerned, it doesn't matter whether it's a goring shore or not. Once it's shechted, it's shechted. It's not goring anyways. And therefore, I don't have to refund El's money. Even though, even if we live in a region where most people happen to buy a bull for plowing purposes. And therefore, Al says, listen, most people in the region buy it for plowing. So obviously I was part of that majority and I wanted it for plowing. And therefore it is a mekachtos. We say, Mm-mm. when it comes to Choshemish, but that's irrelevant. We don't follow what the majority of people do in order to force <laughs> me to go ahead and to refund the money which I got for the sale of that shore. Because you didn't specify. So if you didn't specify, too bad, so sad on you. But, 
let's say El had bought the cow, but he bought it on credit. So therefore, he hasn't paid me yet for the shore. And then he discovers that it's a nagchan, that it's a goring shore. And therefore, it's not going to be uh, usable for El's purpose. So then, since El is now muchzak on the money, he has physical possession of the money, and I want him to pay me, I say, listen, I sold you a shore. Give me the $2,000 you owe me. And he says, this is not the shore that I was looking for. So if he's muchzak on the money, then lo me but... Uh, not only if most people buy a, a bull in the region for plowing purposes, that's to Al's advantage. Even if it percentage-wise, half of the population buys a shore for uh, plowing, and half of the population buys a shore for shechita. So, once again, the rule of thumb is so the burden of proof in that circumstance is going to be on me in order to prove that he really wanted it for uh, for, uh, for, uh, uh, for shechita, and therefore I sold him a, a bull which is perfectly capable of being shechted. And the fact that it's a nachan is irrelevant. So the bottom line is that whoever is muchzuk, whoever, whoever is uh, 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 the defendant in that case, so they're always going to be in the leverage position. Now, that's if we have no background whatsoever. Now, Art, we get to your point. Now, let's say you have a customer who only buys, he is a farmer, he is a, uh, an agricultural farmer and does not deal with shechita at all. He's afraid of shechita. He's afraid of knives. All he can handle, he can handle a plow blade, but he can't handle an actual knife itself. And the mocher knows that this customer only buys things for plowing purposes. So if it's known between the two of them that El only buys plowing cows, and I know that El only buys plowing cows, and he walks in one day and says, I want a cow, and I sell him a goring cow. So then, that actually is a mekachtos, because without having to state it explicitly, I know perfectly well what El is looking for. He wants another. He's, he's bought from me 15 cows in the past, all of which have been for plowing purposes. I know that he has an agricultural farm. He doesn't have a cattle farm. And therefore, I can't claim, well, I didn't know that you wanted it for, uh, for plowing. I thought you were going to go ahead and make a barbecue out of it if he's never done that before. So if all that information is known from the outset, then Al has the upper hand in terms of claiming that you sold me a goring bull rather than uh, a plowing bull, and therefore it is a mekachtos. And in that case, Al would win. And that's essentially, I think, what Art was saying, that when the guy walks into the store and says, I have an aquarium with fish in it, and I would like more fish in there, nobody thinks uh, in a thousand years that he wants predatory fish to eat the existing fish. That's not what an aquarium owner does. Aquarium owners want fish to hold on to fish. If they wanted uh, predatory fish, they would have specified that. So it's considered as if Al made, or the, uh, the buyer of the fish made it perfectly clear what he was interested in buying. And since the fish store owner sold him predatory fish, which is not what he wanted, so that actually would constitute a mekachtos. So that, as far as that first uh, uh, issue is concerned, so uh, the customer would have the right to say that the sale of the fish is really invalid. It was done under false pretenses, and therefore he has the right to get back the, uh, the, the money. 
the rest of uh, Shulchan Aruch over here, so we won't, uh, we don't need to go ahead and uh, and read. Okay, so that is as far as that. Now, however, the mocher does have the right to say the the fishel owner does have the right to say that uh, I'm not giving you back your money until you go ahead and you return to me the fish. Well, how do we know that? So that is from a previous sif in the same simon. And here, Shulchan Aruch says as follows. We're jumping into the middle of the sif. This is Reish Lam Beis Sif Chavalef. Halokech mekech mechaver ve'odio shu molicha lemedina plonus amoch rosham. So I go ahead uh, and uh, uh, I uh, say to, uh, to Ralph, Ralph, I need to go ahead and I'm going to buy from you uh, uh, an appliance. Uh, back in the good old days, about uh, 20, 30 years ago. So before going to Eretz Yisrael, uh, so sometimes what you would do is you would go down Devon, you'd go east on Devon, you'd buy a bunch of electronics there for cheap with the 220 or the 240 volts with the intention to bring them with you to Israel and you'll go ahead and you'll sell your uh, Walkman or you'll sell a few years later, it would be you'll sell your CD player over there. You'll go to Tel Aviv and you'll go ahead and you'll find a buyer and you make some uh, some quick cash on the buying and the selling of it. So I walk into the store and say, listen, I'm looking for five CD players. I want to buy them, I'm planning on selling them in Israel. So he goes ahead and he sells them to me. And it turns out, then once I get to Israel, so I, I transport them with me from Chicago to Israel. And when we arrive in Israel, it turns out that all of them are defective. None of the CD players uh, uh, work. So I call up the merchant and say, listen, I bought five CD players from you uh, to take to Israel. I got them to Israel. And now it turns out they're all defective. So the merchant doesn't have the right to say to me, listen, if you want a refund of your money, bring me back the CD players and I'll go ahead and I'll refund your money. Because I told them that what I was planning on doing with them. Rather, the, uh, the merchant has an obligation to refund my money, go ahead and refund the money onto my credit card now. Ah, what's going to happen now with the CD players in Israel? That's the merchant's obligation to go ahead and either figure out how to ship them back, or he'll figure out how to sell them in Israel, even though they are defective. But as long as the customer told the merchant, I'm taking this stuff, elsewhere, and I'm going to sell it elsewhere. The mocher knew that he was taking a risk, that if it turns out to be defective, that the sale is going to be voided, and he's going to be stuck now with a bunch of CD players in Israel, and he's here in Chicago, and that's too bad, so sad on him. Now, that was part of the introduction to what we need. Now, let's say the customer did not inform the merchant that he's going to be shipping it elsewhere. He just said, I want five CD players. So maybe the, play, the, the, the merchant has the right to think, maybe he's going to be giving it out to five of his grandchildren. It'll all, it'll all remain local. And then he does, however, the customer goes out and takes it elsewhere and discovers that it's defective. So then, And that's the line that we're looking for. That when the stuff was sold uh, locally, so generally, the, uh, the right of the mocher is, I'll be happy to refund your money to you, but I want my stuff back. If you give me my stuff back, so then I'll refund your money. If you're not going to go ahead and, and give me my stuff back, so then the sale is going to remain in force, and you don't get any, any, any money back whatsoever. So 
in the event that the uh, the uh, the customer wakes up in the morning and he sees that these predatory fish went ahead and killed all of his existing fish, and he gets so furious at the predatory fish that he kills them, pulls them out with a net, and just leaves them on the uh, you know uh, on the uh, uh, in an empty sink without any water whatsoever, and leaves them uh, for dead. So if he did that, he's not going to get his money back at that point. That's already going to be too bad for him because he only has the right to get back his money in the event he could actually return the merchandise, in this case, the fish, to the owner, in the event that he cannot do so. So then the mocher has the right to say it, and the, the, uh, the merchant has the right to say to him, too bad, so sad. I only have to return to your money if you could return to me my product. If you cannot return to me my product, I don't owe you anything. Okay? So that is going to be as far as the first issue, uh, which is, what's the status of the sale of the predatory fish? Is that a valid sale or is it not? So we are passing that it is not a valid sale. And therefore, assuming that the customer is going to be able to return the fish to the fish store owner, he'll be able to get back all 500 shekels. Okay. Now, what's with the second issue under debate between them? which is whether or not the, uh, the fish store owner is responsible for the $2,000 worth of fish, or 2,000 shekel which a fi- a worth of fish, which was consumed. So what's the story with that? Can I ask a question about what we've already done? Sure. Yep. So what, what happens if it's a product that, um, uh, that gets destroyed by normal use? Somebody sells me rotten food. And I discover it's rotten when I try to eat it. Am What's I this? out of what? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So 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 now now before I discovered that it was bad, it, it no longer exists in the form that he sold it to me. Am I out of luck that even though he sold me rotten food, I can't get my money back? Um, no. In, in, in that case, uh, we would say it. it, it right. Uh, we, we would say that uh, you cannot expect it back in that case. If the normal course of usage is that it would be consumed or it would be used or something like that, then the mocher doesn't have the right to say that because you don't discover the moom until uh, until it's uh, it's already too late. Okay. So you'd be correct in the, in, in that scenario. The the interesting case, which we don't have in front of us over here. But the interesting case is, let's say I, uh, I sold you some food, and then after you eat it, we discover that it was not kosher. So can you demand a refund of your money? Can you not demand a refund of your money? Uh, do you have to return the remainder, what remains from that food? Do you not have to return the remainder of that food? So there's all sorts of interesting halachas which are related to that, but we're not going to go into that, uh, into that uh, today. Okay, so now... What's the story with the, uh, the, the, uh, the predatory fish, which are there? Are they, is this considered to be mazik? Is it not mazik? Who's responsible in the event that there was a hezek, that we do categorize it as hezek? What's going to be this story? Okay, so the first thing is, is that the mission in Baba Kama, this is in the first parak, I think, still, uh, either end of the first or beginning of the second. So Misha says, Chamisha tamin v'chamisha muadim. So there are five types of damages which an animal will do, which it's considered to be tam. Tam means it's considered to be unusual for it to do it. It's unexpected behavior on the part of the animal. And in such a case, generally, 
the owner of the animal would only have to pay half damages, half of the value of the damages. But then there's chamishim and there are five things which animals are expected to do. It's common expected behavior for them to do it, for which the owner of that animal who caused the damage has to pay nezek shalom, has to pay full damages. And the first example of muad, of expected behavior is, hashen muadis lechol So an animal... If you put uh, uh, food, something which the, the uh, an animal considers to be food, so you can be pretty certain that the animal is going to eat it. If there's something edible which is there, it's going to go ahead and eat it. And for predatory fish, it's considered to be normal for them to go ahead and eat fish, which is its prey. That's what the predatory fish do, is they eat other fish. They eat smaller fish. They eat fish which, uh, which they consider to be food. So as far as that is concerned, so what we're dealing with is potentially the um, the issue of shame. Shame, as far as damages is concerned, it literally means teeth, but that is the general uh, category that we, uh, or the term that we use for the category of damages of an animal eating something which is normal for it to go ahead and eat. So now let's take a step back and let's assess what exactly the uh, the landscape looks like and what are we dealing with. So we just said from sources one and two, so we concluded that the sale of the predatory fish was an invalid sale. So if we say the sale of the predatory fish is an invalid sale, so who owned those predatory fish which were in the uh, in the aquarium? So what we would say is, is it belonged to the fish store owner? Those are his fish, right? Since the sale is invalid, that means there was never a transfer of ownership from the fish store owner to the owner of the aquarium. And if there was never a sale, that means that they remained the fish store owner's fish and the fish store owner's predatory fish went went ahead and ate somebody else's fish. And when those fish went ahead and ate somebody else's fish, what that does effectively is, is that's re- regular mamon hamazik, or it's regular dog hamazik, not dog, uh, but dog hamazik. And as a regular dog hamazik eating in, what, in a normal manner, so we would certainly say that he should be responsible to pay for whatever damage resulted from the fact that his fish ate somebody else's fish. However... If you're going to go ahead, if you are the fish store owner, so how are you going to go ahead and try and defend yourself in that case? You'll say, well, listen, it was in your aquarium. I gave them to you. You're a shomer. You were the shomer on my fish at that time. If it's not a valid sale and they remain my fish, Zolzine, that may be true, but you must have been a shomer on it. And number one, and number two, you were the one who introduced it to your own fish, and therefore you brought it upon yourself. So even if they are my fish, I'm not responsible if you go ahead and you put your, your food in front of my animal that eats. Why is that my responsibility? That's your responsibility. So we have to analyze those two arguments to see whether or not they are going to, uh, whether or not they're going to hold up. So the first argument is the idea that uh, the aquarium owner was a shomer on these predatory fish. So for this, we go ahead and we look at Tosos. Tosos in Baba Kama and Tzadi Gimel says, we're jumping in the middle of his discussion, but he says, So he says that there's a drush in the Mechilta. If you remember, the Mechilta are the halachic midrashim from Sefer Shmos. So it says, 
when the Torah says that you give somebody something lishmor, I give you something to go ahead and watch for me, to be a custodian on uh, uh, for my behalf. So Shimon Omer, that you don't become a shomer. If I give something to it to Ellen, she does not become a shomer on that until I deposit it by her. And I say to her very clearly, I want you to be a shomer on my stuff. So if I tell her, I want you to be a shomer on my stuff, and she takes it, so that now becomes, we've created an owner-shomer relationship, and the laws of Shmir are now going to apply, and like the, uh, like the, uh, the Mishnah Baba Kama says, that the shomer actually takes the place of the owner. So if Ellen is the shomer on my animal, and she allows my animal to go out and cause damage, she's responsible to pay for the, the damage, even though she's not the owner of the animal, but since it was put into her care, under her custodianship, she's responsible, not me. Aval, however, if we did not create, oops, we did not create a formal shomer relationship, amrale a nechabo, but the, uh, the, the good example of this is uh, we're sitting uh, next to each other, uh, flying, uh, you know, wherever we're going to, we're going to go on a flight together. And I w- want to run to the bathroom. I say to Ellen, hey, Ellen, just keep your eyes on my bag for me. I don't ta- ask her to be a shomer. I don't ask her to pick it up. I don't ask her to do anything. I just say, just keep your eyes on the bag for me for a moment. And something happens to it, potter. Because just saying, keep your eyes on it, that does not create a shmira relationship. So being that, it doesn't create a Shmir relationship. That would mean that if something happens to the bag, Ellen is off the hook. So over here, between, yeah, between the fish store owner and the aquarium owner, so where in the course of their conversation was a Shmir relationship created? The answer is there wasn't. It was supposed to be a sale because you were supposed to sell me good aquarium fish, fish which, uh, which will get along well with my existing fish, and you went ahead and you sold me predatory fish, which was an invalid sale, so I got stuck with your predatory fish in my aquarium, and I never agreed, being that you sold me something which uh, I didn't agree to buy, so I never accepted Shmira on your fish. So if I, the aquarium owner, never agreed to be the Shomer on your fish, that means it remained your fish under your care. And if it's your fish under your care, not my care, so then it's your fish, which is eating my fish. So that once again brings us back to regular uh, 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 mamon Your property went ahead and damaged my stuff. It ate in the normal way that it does, which means that it's shame. And therefore, you should be responsible for the loss of all of my fish, my 2,000 shekel of fish, which were eaten by your fish. Good? Okay. However, maybe that's not so simple because we have another Gemara and Baba Kama. It's a very Baba Kama oriented uh, day today. So the uh, Gemara and Baba Kama says that um, uh, it's talking about a mission over there where I go ahead and I put um, my, uh, my fruit into your yard. So now we'll pick on uh, Steve, even though he's not on the camera. But he says, I go Vim Hichnis Birshus. If I go ahead and I say, Steve, can I put a pile of apples into your yard? And Steve says, sure, I'm not doing anything in the yard anyways. And uh, I put it in there. 
And then Steve's animal comes along, his goat comes along and eats up all of my apples. So, so since Steve gave me permission to put my apples into his yard, that's accepting responsibility for my apples. If he allows his goat to then go ahead and eat all of my apples, so he's effectively a mazik by allowing his goats to do that, and he has to pay. Now, next case. Uh, now, let's say I don't ask Steve per, for permission to put my apples into his yard. I just go ahead and I see nothing's going on. He's got an empty yard. So I say, listen, uh, I, I need to go ahead and put my, uh, my apples somewhere safe. And I just dump them in Steve's yard. And then Steve's goats goes ahead and eats my apples. And it turns out that the animal, the apples were not ripe. And Steve's animals, his goats get sick and they die because they ate my apples, which are in his yard without permission. So then, Potter. Uh, sorry, no, they, they, they didn't die yet. Sorry. So I put my, uh, sorry to confuse, I jumped ahead. I put my apples in Steve's yard without permission. His goats come out and they eat them all up, eat them up, eat them up uh, yum, and now they're all gone. So, Potter. So Steve doesn't have to pay for those apples at all. If he gave me permission to put them in his yard and then his goats eat the apples, then he has to pay because he knew that they were there and he was the shomer in my apples. If he never became the shomer in my apples, I just put it into his yard and his goats come out to play as they normally do during recess and they see a pile of apples and they eat it up. So then Steve is exempt because I shouldn't have put my apples in his yard. I had no permission to be there. And Steve never took responsibility to make sure that my apples wouldn't be eaten. But his giving you permission is tantamount to accepting Shmira on himself? Correct. Correct. Excellent. Then, but, now let's say the the animal goes ahead and, uh, now this is a case where Steve's goats eats my apples and they become damaged. So then, so I, as the owner of the fruit, I'm responsible for the damage which my apples caused to Steve's goats. That's what, that's what we say. Now, what does that mean? So now, the Gemara goes out and elaborates on this halacha. So this this case, I went ahead and I put my apples into Steve's yard without permission, his animals uh, somehow became damaged. I, I won't even say that they ate them based on the next line, but they, his animals uh, interacted with my apples and were damaged as a result. I have to reimburse Steve for the damage to his goats. Says Rav, Amarav, Rav says, that's only going to be true in the event that Steve's goats have a slip and fall on my apples. Or let's say I put a bunch of bananas out there. So they slipped on the banana peels. So they have a slip and fall. And as a result of slipping on the, uh, on the, on the bananas, so they fall and they get hurt, then I'm responsible. Aval achla pater. But in the event that Steve's goats go ahead and eat my apples or my bananas, and they get a tummy ache from that, and they, get, uh, they need medical attention or they die as a result of that, pater then I don't have to pay. So I put my bananas in Steve's yards without permission. His goats come out for recess. They see a pile of bananas and they eat it all. They get sick and they die. 
In that case, Rav says, I don't have to pay for his dead goats. My time, exact question that all of you are wondering, what's the reason why I don't have to pay? Well, it, my, my, I, my stuff was there without permission, and, uh, it, and my stuff ended up causing the death of Steve's goats. How could I possibly be exempt? Because, because who told Steve goats to go ahead and eat my bananas? I didn't do. I didn't tell. I, I didn't feed it to him. I didn't give the the uh, the bananas to uh, to the uh, to the goats. They went ahead and they ate it of their own volition. They have their own bechira chavshis. They could decide to eat the bananas or not to eat the bananas. It's their choice. But it's not really bechira chavshis. I shouldn't mislead you like that. The main thing is is that we differentiate between where you are the cause. I am the cause of the damage to Steve's goats. Or when Steve's goats bring the damage upon themselves. So if we have the right to say, listen, the goats didn't have to eat the bananas. If the goats decided to eat the bananas, that was your choice that takes the responsibility off of my shoulders. Yes? Okay. Gavala. So over here, so do we have a similar type of, uh, of thing to say that since I went ahead and I brought the fish into, I brought the predatory fish and I put them into the aquarium, the owner, the fish owner didn't do that. I'm the one who went ahead and did that. So since I introduced the damaging fish, since I physically introduced the damaging fish into my own fish tank, into my own aquarium, I am the one who's responsible for the death of my fish and not the fish owner. Would you buy that? Okay, you're saying no, why not? They're not eating. What? Say again. I didn't hear Bob. Uh, let me, I'm trying to find the sound. Here it is. Okay. Oh, you got it. You're okay. I'm saying that the difference is that in, in the, the goat uh, that was in the yard initiated that on his own. That was the goat in the yard that belonged to to whoever you said, uh, Steve or whomever. And, but in this case, um, it was not uh, the fish in the tank that became damaged by something they chose to do. They became damaged by something that the predatory fish did. So it's not right. the same thing. Right. It's like if instead of putting the apples in Steve's yard, you put the goats in Steve's yard with the apples there already. Okay, very good. So now... I, I, I would think there's another distinction here. That yeah. If, 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 um, if the aquarium owner asked for fish for his aquarium, then even let's even suppose he's a shomer. He has yeah. a right to assume that he didn't get predatory fish because that's the natural thing he would expect when the guy gave him the fish. So... Even if he's a shomer, he, he, it, it doesn't seem to me like he did anything that a shomer should be liable for. He shouldn't expect that what he did would cause any damage. Uh, right, being that he didn't know what he, what, what he had in his possession. Well, it's, wor- it's even stronger than he didn't know what he had in his possession. He, he had a right to assume that what he had in his possession was not what he had. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Correct. Right. He didn't get what he ordered. 
Right. But that, what, what, the, the, so th- that relates, th- that certainly relates to the first question about the, uh, the, the initial sale. But in terms the of understanding the of what he ordered, what the understanding of what he ordered. Right. So what, what, right. But, but now the question is that, that the fish owners fish ate the aquarium owners fish. Right. That, that, that is a, a fact which we all agree to. Now, the question is, is there going to be some sort of liability that the fish store owner has for that? Or is he going to be able to uh, finagle his way out of this by claiming that I'm not the one who actually put them in there. It wasn't my responsibility. You, the Nizak, you, the aquarium owner, you put those fish into your tank. I didn't do that. You did that. So what's going to be the story? So now there's a, a concept, and this is what we're going to see over here in source number eight. Source seven is the Tosos, which speaks out what we had, uh, how we explained the Gemara. So we don't need to go ahead and do that. So here we have an idea, and that is that there's going to be a difference over here, that when the goat eats the apples, so the goat eats the, uh, the bananas, so that itself, one of the things which they, they talk about in that context, which we're not going to see that part of the Gemara, but let's say there was, uh, they, were, they were poisonous uh, bananas or something. So because there were poisonous bananas, so that's why the goat went ahead and took a bite of the banana, uh, gave one look, had a grabber, and just fell over and died. So in that case, we, the Gemara says that that nobody told the goat to go ahead and eat that banana. So since nobody told the goat to eat, eat the banana, the nizak, the damaged party, went ahead and did it to itself. And since the damaged party did it to itself, so that's why we're going to say that the owner of that uh, of the fruit, I, the owner of the fruit, am not going to be responsible for Steve's goat. But that is not a parallel case to what happened with the uh, when, when the aquarium owner went ahead and put the fish into the tank. Why is that so? So there's another halacha concept. This is what we have in source eight. Amarav Rava says, So he says that Abai had the following question. And the Gemara here is talking about, is trying to, it's getting into the lumdus, getting into trying to understand the principles behind the damage which we call fire. What exactly is the, uh, uh, is the nature and character of that? So he says, If we assume that fire damaging, you light a fire, it spreads and it causes damages in its path, those who go ahead and equate damage from fire as being parallel to shooting an arrow, and then everywhere in the path of that arrow that damage is caused, it traces itself back to the archer, the one who shot the arrow, even though it may be 20 feet away, 50 feet away, 100 yards away, it doesn't make a difference. You're the one, the archer is the one who pulled back on the, on the bow and shot the arrow. So anything which happens in the course of its path, any damage which happens in the course of its path is the responsibility of the archer. So says, uh, Rava points out that if you adopt that position, um, so if I go ahead and the, 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 the Torah has a technical exemption that if I light something in a pile of rubble that you have a pile of wood chips which you have on your property and I thought that it was just a pile of wood chips how was I supposed to know that you went ahead and you hid all of your valuable Bitcoin information inside of that, uh, inside of that pile it's a perfect place to hide things but the Torah says that it's such a good place to hide things that I, the one who lit the fire, 
I'm not responsible for that. That's called tamun, something which is buried inside of a pile. And from the outside, you don't know that the valuable stuff is there. So the one who lit the fire is exempt. So he says, but why is that so? Why is it the same thing as shooting an arrow? Anything which is going to be in the path is you're going to be responsible for. So the same thing should be true. Whatever is in the path of this fire from the moment that I lit it, that I kindled that fire, I should be responsible for all subsequent damage. And we say the answer is that I went ahead and I lit a fire in your yard. And when I lit the fire in your yard, there was a fence around the yard, which was, which would have contained the fire. So in the normal course of things, the fire would not have escaped the yard and gone, let's say, it wouldn't have escaped my yard to get into your yard. It would have hit my wall, my stone wall, and the stone wall will go ahead and prevent the, uh, the fire from being able to go on. But your bad mazel, as my neighbor was, that after I lit the fire in my yard, v'nafla, all of a sudden, something happens, a meteor comes out of the sky, or an asteroid comes out of the sky, and lands right on the wall. So can you imagine this confluence of events? I lit a fire in my yard. It goes ahead, and it should have been contained by the stone wall between my property and your property. But at that exact moment, an asteroid comes out of the sky and knocks down the wall. And as a result of that, the fire is able to go from my yard into your yard, and it causes all sorts of damage. And as a result of that, now my fire escaped my yard and went into your yard and caused damage. I'm exempt. Why? And here's the key phrase, the hasam kalu Because we say that there is an end to my action. Meaning, let's use the example of the arrow. I shoot an arrow, and I was planning on shooting an arrow into my wall. That's what I do. That's, I put up my target on a wall, and there's a wall all around the target just in case I miss, and it should hit either the target or it's going to hit the wall, and it should never go beyond there. And I go ahead and I pull back the string, I take aim, and I shoot, and at that moment, the wall just spontaneously collapses. As a result of that, it goes beyond where the wall stood, and it goes to every piece of your laundry, which is hanging on your laundry line. So all of your clothing now are ripped. You were hanging your silk, and you were hanging mink coats, and you were hanging your strimal, and you were hanging all sorts of expensive stuff, which was out there. And as a result of the wall spontaneously falling, the arrow continues its path beyond, and now it causes thousands of dollars worth of damage. I'm not responsible. Because at the time of my action, so no damage was done. No damage was, expect, was, uh, was, was going to take place. And therefore, that this idea of means that it's not something which at the moment that it happened is my doing. You cannot, I'm, I'm saying this very precisely because I know you, a bunch of you are going to jump on me in a moment. But what we're saying is, is that at the moment of my action, so no damage was done. And therefore, what happens afterwards is not my responsibility. So the same thing could be said. What happens when I go ahead and I put the uh, predatory fish into my aquarium? What damage did I cause to my fish? At that moment, nothing. Nothing happened yet. They wait. The fish are going to wait until there's a good opportunity to go ahead and eat the other fish. And as long as when I put it in, the damage did not happen. You could only pin it on me. 
you can only say that Savara, that rationale that we had earlier of, uh, where we say, Havalei Shalotochal, that it should, that, uh, that you, the Nizak, so it was your animal which did it, and therefore it's not my responsibility. You can only say that to me in the event that I put the predatory fish into the tank, and right away they devoured your fish. So if it was an instant between my action, the Nizak, the one who was damaged, if my action directly causes what ultimately happened, then there may be some exemption that you could go ahead and you could claim that it's not the, that it's not your fault, the owner of the animal, because I, the Nizak, I went ahead and brought it on myself. But if there's a delay, it didn't happen instantaneously. It happened with some sort of delay. So then you're not going to be able to say to me, the aquarium owner, listen, you went ahead and you brought it on yourself. Because when I put the, uh, the, poured the fish into the tank, they didn't do any damage. They just started swimming around, getting familiar with the environment, checking out what they're going to have for lunch that day, what they're going to have for dinner that night, what are they going to say for breakfast. So they were scoping out the area and they didn't do any damage as of yet. So I, I, must, that, be, I must be misunderstanding the, 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 the Gemara then that talks about the, that the wall that collapsed. I, I mean, the way I understood that Gemara was he's not liable because at the time that he did the action, the wall was there. And therefore, he had every right to assume that the wall was going to stop the fire. Um, that right. that the, the the not the, the crucial part from what I understood was not the delay, but rather the fact that that there was something that happened after his action, which couldn't have been expected at the time of the action. Right. Um, so, so that, that's why I said, uh, so I, uh, I anticipated that this was coming. That's why I said I was going to try and say it uh, uh, precisely. So the, the distinction which we're trying to draw over here, really, it really takes uh, two parts to it. There's, there's two elements to it. Number one is that w- what we're trying to counter over here is this idea of that you could say to the Nizuk, you shouldn't, it's your fault because you're the one who, who brought the damage on yourself. Your goat went ahead and ate it, and it, because it ate it uh, right away, uh, or because it ate it, so it, there, as soon as it ate it, it was damaged. But it's not so much that it's an instant thing, it's that who's, who is the one, who, whose stuff is actually causing the damage? That's the, that's the more crucial element, is who's the one causing the damage? If I take your hammer and I smash your stuff, so I'm, I, I can't blame you because your hammer smashed my stuff. Because right? I was the wielder of the hammer, and as the wielder of the hammer, so the fact that it was your possession which I used, that has nothing at all to do with you. I can't say your, your, your hammer broke my stuff, and therefore you have to pay. That, we, that we're all going to, uh, to agree to that, uh, I assume. We would all agree to, uh, to that. So over here, everybody agrees that it's the fish store owner's fish that ate my, the fish in my aquarium. That's a fact on the ground which we all agree to. There's no denying that. There's no disagreement about that. That's not subject to perspective. That's a simple fact on the ground. Now the question is, who is responsible for the fish store owner's fish eating my stuff, eating my fish? So in order to be able to get, uh, uh, in order to, for the fish store owner to be able to uh, uh, absolve himself of liability, he has to say that I did it to myself. So we're not arguing that that argument that you, you shuffle, you did it to yourself, 
that only works if the moment that my action was done, the damage takes place. But if the moment my action is done, the damage does not take place. So all I did was I introduced your fish into my aquarium. At that point, no damage was done. If no damage was done at that point, then it's your fish swimming around in my tank. And it's your fish, which is eating my fish. Two hours later, when they went ahead and when your fish devoured my fish, so that is my action of putting the fish into the tank did not cause an instant uh, damage. But it's not the time thing. So it's not the timing of it. I mean, it's not the timing of it. It's that uh, an additional um, uh, component had to take place, an additional um, um, uh, 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 action had to take place, which is your fish then swimming around and attacking my fish. And since ultimately it ended up being that your fish ran after my fish, then since it's not linked directly to what I did, it's only indirectly linked to what I did. So that is enough to say that ultimately it was your fish that ate my fish, and that's why you're going to be responsible. Is that a clear uh, distinction, or I should uh, try that one again? again. Try it again? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Shelley. So what we're, we're saying is, generally, what the, the default is that if your fish ate my fish, you should be responsible. Right? That's, what, that's what we would say. If your fish eat my fish, so that's what we call the Hezek of Shane. And when the Hezek of Shane occurs, the owner of the damage, the fish which eat, the eating fish, so they are going to be responsible. Well, but isn't the question of, at that moment, who owned the fish? No, so that we, we know for sure, because of our, we answered our first question that the original sale was a mekachtos, was an invalid sale. Sorry, you're right, you're right. Right, and therefore, it's for sure the fish owner's fish. So now the question is, so really, if it's your fish, which ate my fish, then um, although you may win rock, paper, scissors, because your fish ate my fish, but as far as Hezek is concerned, so you're going to have to pay. However, there's one exemption to that rule. The one exemption to that rule is if I essentially damage myself. If I went ahead and I eat, let's put it in terms of people rather than goats. If I go ahead and I eat your stuff and it turns out that your stuff is poison, so are you responsible for that or am I? So the Gemara says, these sources in uh, six and seven, uh, sources, uh, sorry, five and six, uh, five, six, and seven. So those say that even though it was your stuff that made me sick. Since I was the one who ate your stuff, I took your stuff and I ate it. So we can't pin this on you. This is my responsibility. Because that's, that's this, this phrase, that I shouldn't have been eating your stuff in the event that I did eat your stuff and then uh, um, uh, was damaged as a result. I can't blame that on you. That's my responsibility. So if I went ahead and I put... Uh, um, uh, if I took your piranha, I you know walked into your fish store and I put a piranha into my pocket. <laughs> so I, I shoplifted your piranha, and then I go ahead and I with your shoplifted piranha, I went ahead and I put that into my uh, fish tank, and it just went hog wild and ate everything right away. So then I can't say to you, listen, your piranha went ahead and ate my fish, because 
I was the one who caused that damage because when I introduced the fish into the tank, it right away went ahead and ate everything. But over here, we're not talking about where right away it ate everything. What happened was I put the fish into the tank and they started swimming around. And being that they started swimming around and they didn't do damage right away. So being that they didn't do damage right away, that is going to take away your claim of Havile Shalotocha. Because I didn't damage myself. Because it didn't happen. Again, it's not so much the timing, but it, it didn't happen right away. And being that it didn't happen right away, so therefore, what ends up happening is, is that your fish ended up eating my fish. Um, I'm sorry. It, I, I'm a little confused about, so first of all, the timing thing. I, I don't, I'm not sure that I, that the timing is, is really the key. But when you stole the piranha, and put it in your tank. Obviously, that was yours. Or if you bought a piranha and said, sell me a piranha, I want to put it in my tank. But the question, it, we, we, we know it's the, the, it was unknowing. He didn't know that they were predatory fish when he put them in the tank. Right. Whether they ate them right away or they ate them 10 minutes later, if he's not aware that they're that of what they can do, isn't that really the key? Is it say that last part? If he's not aware of what the what the predatory fish can do, because he doesn't know they're predatory fish, whether mm-hmm. they ate him right away or they ate him an hour later, if the key is that he didn't know that they were predatory fish, it right. wasn't how, what, how long it took them to eat the other fish. Right. What, 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 what the owner is trying to the owner is trying to say to me that since you put the predatory fish into your own tank, you're responsible for the damage, not me. Right. He's trying to he's trying to pin responsibility on me because I'm the one who put the fish in there. Right. So what we're what we are saying back to him is that would be true if the damage which I caused happened as a, as a direct result of my action. A knowing result of your action. In other words, um, when you know that, when you know the, when you think the wall is there and it can't go, the arrow can't go past it. When it, when the wall comes down, you didn't know that you were going to do the damage. You didn't know that there was a possibility that your arrow was going to do damage. Well, the same thing would be true. I, I, we switched it over to the case with the arrow in the in the wall, but the same thing was true with the goats and the and the bananas. Right. Where the goat the, the, the goat doesn't have das. The goat just eats, but it was damaged. We say the same rationale applies when the goat ate. When I put my fruit in Steve's yard, Steve's goat ate it and died. So there also, I say to Steve, I'm not responsible for your dead goat because your goat shouldn't have eaten my stuff. Because an expected action of the goat would be to eat the stuff. That's why it's different from if he slipped on the banana and broke his leg. So even even though it's expected that the goat is going to eat it, I am still going to be off the hook because we say to it, whenever the Nizak goes ahead and does the damage himself, the eating of the fruit, there was the damage. So who ate the fruit? I, I didn't make the goat eat the fruit. I put the fruit out. The goat decided on its own to eat the fruit. So since the goat decided on its own to eat the fruit, I could say that's not, I, I, I did. I could only be a mazik if I did an action of damages. If my stuff was just sitting there and your goat ate it, 
That's your goat. Your goat did the action, not my fruit. My so fruit are the, inanimate objects. They can't do anything. The fish, the fish ate the other fish. It's, it's, it's the fish's fault. Right. So not we, yours. So, right. So my, my, my putting the fish into the tank is not my, that no, no, no damage was done at the moment that I poured those fish into the tank. The same as letting the goats out into the yard. That right, as far as that, but when the goat ate it, so who right. did, who who did the action of damages? Wait, we have two people. The right. ma- we have a mazik and a nizak. Right. So if the goat eats my fruit and gets hurt, who is who who was active and who was passive? The goat. The goat was active. Right. So the goat, which is what became damaged, was the one who did the action which caused the damage. Rabbi Shaffel, let me. But, but just what what what's that about? But when yeah. I, when I go ahead, yeah, I don't know what nine is. I was just going to say was nine that o'clock. They, the oh. fish that were eaten didn't do anything. That's different from, that's what I tried to say before. They, they were, it, it's different because they didn't cause any of the damage. They're not like the rotten fruit. They're not like any of the other things because they didn't do the damage. They were just there. And it's the predatory fish that did all of the damage. So you that's why the situation is not parallel. And you can't right. use very, that. Very, very well said, Bob. So because it was the predatory fish which caused the damage, so it wasn't the, uh, the non-predators. It wasn't the prey. The prey didn't do anything wrong. It was the predatory fish which did the damage. So the, there's no exemption. The, the fish owner can't say to me, it's your fault because you put them in there because what my action of putting the fish in there didn't cause any damage. The damage resulted when the predatory fish decided to follow their nature and start being predators and go after the, uh, the prey. So as a result of that, so that argument does not hold up. So at the end of the day, we'll uh, we'll skip out this uh, this uh, last stuff over there, the source nine and ten. But the uh, the uh, the uh, at the end of the day, we're going to Paskin that the fish store owner not only has to reimburse me the five hundred shekel which I pay him for the predatory fish when I return it, but he's also going to be responsible to pay the two thousand shekel of dead fish which his fish went ahead and ate of mine. Okay. So that is where we're going to hold it. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.